This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. That was awesome worship. Thank you very much. And the reason I get excited is because I know what I'm going to bring this morning. And I know how well those words in those songs went together with what I have for you this morning. So please, please keep those in mind. There were things like, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like. People don't know what Jesus is like unless they are in relationship with him. It's just so awesome. So many of those um, words and lyrics that we have just sung are really, really in keeping with what God has given me to share with you this morning. So you know what? I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing because when God has a plan, he brings it all together. I'm also rejoicing because I have a message that is right for you right now, right here, right today. I am also rejoicing because we did really well in the Eurovision Song Contest. (laughs) Who's with me? (laughs) And yet we're doing Serbia's song. Okay. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's so much to rejoice about this morning. So let's just pray as I dig into the word this morning with you. Oh, Father God, I thank you. I thank you um, that you can surprise us. I thank you that France can give us 12 points in the Eurovision Song Contest. I want to thank you that there are so many good things that bless our hearts, Lord, in nature and in the world around us, and that you are happy for us to take joy from those things. But I want to thank you even more, Lord God, that we bring you joy. And I pray that this morning I'm able to convey that to the people who are listening this morning. And Lord, I pray that you will make my words gracious and that you will sweeten them and that you will make them acceptable and that people will move upon what they hear, Lord God. And each and every mind and heart will receive what they need from you today to walk out and work out their faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, so here we are in Luke 10. I'm buzzing. Can I just say, I've had two hours sleep and I am buzzing. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I believe it's the Spirit of God uh, because this happened before the coffee. Okay, so <laughs> so Luke 10, didn't it? <laughs> Testify. Okay, Luke 10, verses 21 to 24. That's where we've got to this morning. In that same hour, He rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then, turning to the disciples, he said privately, 
Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Okay, so we here in Hope Church have been traveling through Luke so slowly, it could possibly take us another two years. Is that right? I don't know. I have no idea, but it feels like it. Um, But this is really awesome because it means we dig in. Okay, so I'm not complaining. Um, And we're tackling just a few verses at a time. So today I'm going to mirror what we've been doing through the whole series with just these four verses in this passage today. I'm going to take them bit by bit. So mostly they need to stay on the screen, if that's okay. And, you know, we'll just keep diving in and out of them. So verse 21, in that same hour. What hour? In what hour? Okay, the same hour that the 70 disciples returned from mission, declaring how fantastic it was to minister and that even the demons had obeyed them. That same hour that Jesus had heard this report from his disciples and told them that they had been given this authority over the enemy. That same hour that Jesus told them that he himself had seen the devil thrown out of heaven, Jeremy Beremy. And if you were here last week, that means something. If not, go back and listen to last week's. The same hour that Jesus declared that even better than demons responding to their authority was that their names are written in the book of life and their future was secure. That same hour, that same hour, in that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. Do you know that this is the only place in the Gospels that it records that Jesus rejoiced? Three times it declares uh, his weeping, he wept. So there are three descriptions of Jesus weeping and one of him rejoicing. Now, I don't (laughs) don't want you to think he was depressed. Um, I don't want you to think that this was the only time that he rejoiced. But I think it's significant that it is here and that we get to hear that he did rejoice. So let's see it as significant. Now, the ancient Greek word for rejoiced is referring to exceptional rejoicing and exaltation. Exceptional rejoicing. The Amplified records it as this. He was overjoyed and rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit. So let's see it like this. Jesus rejoiced exceptionally, greatly, more than your average amount of rejoicing. And I came in with some this morning. And he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. This was a spiritual, exceptional joy bubbling up and out of him. There is a difference between rejoicing in the natural and rejoicing in the spirit. When we hear good news, when we watch the Eurovision Song Contest and France and Germany give us 12 points, we rejoice. It's natural to rejoice and have happy feelings. We can be super happy. We can get extra excited. I was like the woman who watches the World Cup when England or Spain are doing well. And by the way, Spain did really well last night too. (laughs) So happy days for me. I was going to win either way. Um, When we book a holiday, when we get good exam results, when we hear someone's getting married or having a baby, it often produces in us this super happy, excited, good feeling. But spiritual rejoicing is a joy that comes from deep within. And if you haven't had it, I pray you do. 
Because it's something comes from deep down within. And sometimes it is in response to answered prayer. So somebody tells us, I have no more pain. I have no more fear. I have no more worry or something like that. And we get it and it kind of just like electric through us. Um, or bubbling. I think it's better to see it as bubbling. It comes from deep down within. Um, but it might just bubble up actually in us from a place of deep faith. Either way, the spiritual rejoice is joy on steroids. It's just more than joy, okay? And that is the level of joy that Jesus expressed and is recorded as expressing as having in that same hour. So when his disciples had discovered that they themselves could act in the authority that he had given them, Jesus felt extreme joy in witnessing his disciples really getting it and really living out their faith. Jesus rejoiced even more than they did. And this tells me something so important. We can bring Jesus great joy. And that's giving me goosebumps right now. I don't know about you. Because when we walk out our faith or work out, you know, physically work out our faith, when we really trust in his promises, when we really believe and act upon the power and authority he has already given us, Jesus rejoices. I have to admit... And by the way, if ever in this message, I sound like I'm saying you, I mean me too. Okay, well, let's just clear that up. In fact, anyone who's ever preached a sermon knows they're preaching to themselves most of the time. Okay, exactly. Many of us live our Christianity like the world seems to expect of us. And to be honest, since the beginning of this year, God has really been on my case about this. Because you are a Christian... You do good works. That's how it works, okay? You are a Christian, therefore you do good works. But actually, we are supposed to be listening to Jesus and doing God works. If the only difference is, is an O. So you can all go, oh, use it up there. <laughs> Some of these will look like good works, but they're works on steroids, Sorry, my dog is on steroids. I have steroids on the brain. Um, Because when we do God works, we bring spiritual power and authority that Jesus gave us as his followers into those good works. So the good works are supercharged. And when we listen to him, and when we step out in faith and take the authority he promised us, we come back, we return rejoicing just like the 70 did. And even better than that, when we live it like that, we ignite rejoicing to rise up in Jesus too. So even better than us coming back with the great report of how this happened and I prayed for that person and I spoke to that person and the demons fleed. We can come back with that kind of report, by the way. But even better than that, we have made Jesus super happy. I think that's just awesome. His rejoicing is supercharged because he's so pleased with us, with our faith and with our trust in his ways. And how do I know that? Because it's what he prayed 
when he was rejoicing. Let's read it again, verses 21 to 22. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So let's go back to the beginning of that section. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. In that exceptional feeling of joy, Jesus didn't pat himself on the back and go, well done me, I taught them well. Which, let's be honest, many of us would do. Um, He didn't pat them on their heads and go, well done, good and faithful servants. In that exceptional joy, Jesus gave thanks to God the Father. And then this is what he said. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. You know, to our modern ears, that sounds like a veiled insult, let's be honest. But actually, Jesus is declaring that those who consider themselves worldly wise, well, I wouldn't do something stupid like that, those would never take the risks and step out in faith like the disciples had done. It takes a childlike, trusting faith to allow you to go out and do the things in the way he said you could do. And then he goes on, yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Jesus acknowledges it, that it was always God's will to turn perceptions upside down. It's something I preach on all the time because for me, it's, it's super wonderful. I don't need to be super clever. In fact, I, I got stuck in English there, didn't I? I got my words all stuck. And that's okay because God can still bring glory through me because that's the perceptions upside down. I'm not, I'm, you know, because he calls those who are not viewed by the world as worth anything to bring his glory to earth. He turns the perceptions upside down. And then in that, there is no ego. Just full of God's spirit and enabled, not through cleverness, but through God alone. It sounds like I'm against people being clever, which I am not. But elevating it above God, I kind of am actually. (laughs) Probably because I'm stupid enough to be in that place. (laughs) But you know what I mean. You know, here's a comforting thought. If you ever feel worthless or stupid, please know that is exactly the right qualification for the job of God's representative. He chooses you. He employs you. And you know what? You don't even have to go in looking like yourself. If you've ever seen a rep for a company, they sometimes come dressed in their uniform, Okay, he gives you a uniform. He clothes you in righteousness, right? He gives you a robe of righteousness and you carry his ID card. That's his Holy Spirit. Okay, so it's like, yeah, here I am. I represent him. And you have an access all areas key to the kingdom of heaven because the key is salvation through which you can access the power of heaven. This is all biblical, but I have not thrown a lot of scripture at you here, so I hope you can keep up with me. When you give your life to Jesus, you don't walk out your life in your own abilities and limitations. You walk out life in Jesus's power and authority. You become his representative. 
to everyone you meet, to everything you meet. Then he goes on, he says, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. So Jesus acknowledges and makes clear where the power he has given the disciples comes from. It's from Father God in heaven to Jesus to us. And then he speaks of his unique relationship with Father God. He says, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father or who the Father is except the Son. But here's the really interesting thing. Jesus also says that we are invited into that relationship and revelation of relationship, okay? Anyone, he says, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So when you are sat here and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, this sounds like you're probably dozing off. You're probably like, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. That's because you haven't had the revelation. You get the revelation as you come into relationship with Jesus because anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal will receive. And he doesn't leave you out when you come in to him. Jesus made it clear in fact, and this is the thing, I just, I, I'm always preaching it, but it's not complicated to follow him. In fact, what he's saying in all of this is that simple folk are the ones who really get it. That's why he compares us to children. Why do we complicate following Jesus? You know, I don't need a theology degree. I don't need a doctorate of divinity to do the works of Jesus. What do I need to do the works of Jesus? I need Jesus. That's it. That's it. That's the only qualification I need. His Spirit gives me all I need. And following Him is really so simple. Do as He says, and you'll see victory. That's what the disciples experienced when they went out. The 70 went out and came back. And they went, we did as He said, and we saw victory. (laughs) And that's what caused them to have such joy when they returned. And that's what caused Jesus to have so much joy. Listen, followers of Jesus, I wrote down this and I'm going to say it. We have to stop living and acting like martyrs. And we've got to start living and acting like the victorious. And I've written here, oh, but life is so hard. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's hard for pretty much everyone saved and unsaved, life is hard. Oh my gosh, here she goes. Matthew 5 verse 45 says, for he makes his sunrise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. We don't get a free pass in this life to easy street, okay? That's not what it's about. Salvation gives you the free pass to heaven, yes indeed, but this here is not heaven and sin came into the world and this life is not going to be paradise all the time. There will be good and there will be bad, there will be sunshine, and there will be rain, which sometimes that can be good and bad. (laughs) However, follower of Jesus, make no mistake, your salvation also gives you access to the power of heaven, which certainly can bring God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, which is why that's what Jesus taught us to pray. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's my point. Why are we living like martyrs when stuff is hard? We need to tap into God. 
and bring his will. We have authority on earth to do that. And there's a whole different sermon there, so I'm not going to go all the way into there. But I am going to point out that Adam and Eve ruined this world. The reason life is so hard is because of them. Adam and Eve ruined this world through their bad choices. They refused to listen to God on one simple instruction, and we all suffer the consequences. Saved or unsaved, life can be hard. But don't now, on top of that, compound Adam and Eve's bad choices with another bad choice of your own. Because they refused to believe that God had their best interests at heart, so they went against him. We just sang, you're a good, good father. He has our best interests at heart. But as I was singing it, God reminded me that people who have had a bad relationship with their earthly father find it really difficult to understand that God is a different sort of father to what they experienced. And so I want you to know that God is not like your father. God is not like your earthly father if you had a bad relationship with him. Possibly is like your earthly father if you had a great father. Okay, so um, we need to know that he's looking out for our best interests. I think many Christians do what Adam and Eve did. We don't trust that God is looking out for our best interests. In fact, that's where, again, we come to this cleverness. We think we know better. We get a little bit cynical because of the fall. Being cynical is not God's design for us. Cynical even sounds like sin. It's not spelt that way, but it sounds like it, right? We are distrusting because so many people let us down that we forget God is not human. He is not a man that he should lie. He is not like the humans that have let us down time and time again. God is pure. God is love. There is no malice or bad intent in him. Jesus taught his followers to trust and believe. Jesus kept it simple. So let's not think we have to add to it. Just trust that to do the works of Jesus, you just need Jesus. We're trying to wake you up here. And and though we live in a broken world, we actually have privilege. Do you know why? Because we live now. Listen up, guys. Jesus is history. It's his story. I hope it's on the screen. Yeah. It's his story that all of life on earth has built up to and built away from. Okay? Everything has been about Jesus. Verse 23, he says, Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, actually before he says, Jesus took his disciples into his confidence. This was not a big public declaration to the feeding of the 5,000 crew. This is his intimate crew. He is saying, listen up. Beloved family, trusted followers, this is what I want to tell you. And this is what he says. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. You see, the disciples were living in the pinnacle of his story, of history. They had the privilege of walking, eating, and talking, and touching Jesus, the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, Jesus, the word at the start of creation, Jesus, God incarnate, God in person on earth, Jesus, the Messiah, that's the promised one, Jesus, the saviour of the world, Jesus, the one, all the law and the prophets, all the way through the scriptures pointed to, that's who they got to hang out with every day, sit next to, smell, 
I mean, literally, he was right there with them. He, they were at the pinnacle of his story. And this is what he said, For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see. They knew about him, but they hadn't seen him and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. They knew, but they never could experience what these disciples were experiencing. So Jesus encouraged the disciples, Hey, you live now. How awesome is that? And many of us think, I wish I could do that. I wish I knew what Jesus smelled like. And I know I say smell, but actually it's a really physical sense, isn't it? It's something you do know you've been physically with someone, okay? And, and, and you know, I, we maybe feel like we missed out, but I want to encourage you to, because we live now, and that is even more possibly awesome. Because we might not be able to pass Jesus a piece of bread across the dinner table, but we have even more than those disciples had Because we have the resurrected Jesus living in our hearts. And here's what I mean. And I'm going to go through just the little kind of description of what I mean by that. Because I hate Christianese. We have Jesus living in our hearts. And I always remember a small small child, you know, imagining and drawing a little person living actually in her heart. Um, So let's just unpick that for a moment. Jesus when he was on earth, was with his disciples in the flesh, walking, sleeping, washing, eating, burping, talking, yawning, laughing, etc. Then he was crucified and his flesh died. His heart stopped. But three days later, he was resurrected to life. And there were many witnesses, and you can read about them all, that met with him and talked to him in his resurrected body. And you can't read about them all, but there are many that have talked about it, not just in the Bible. Then Jesus left the disciples' instructions and he went in that resurrected body up to heaven. He did not die again, as Bethany's teacher once said. He went in his resurrected body up to heaven. And the disciples did what? They obeyed his instructions in stark contrast to Adam and Eve. They actually did what Jesus told them to do. And they went and they waited in Jerusalem in a room. And Jesus did what he promised to do. Because he sent his spirit upon them to dwell in his followers with the purpose to do all that he had done when he was here with them. Everything through them. The spirit... That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead came to fill, teach, guide, and empower his followers. And here's the best bit. As his followers now, we have that same spirit in us. And we have even more than the disciples of Jesus had when he was walking with them. Because in order for them to go and live out their faith and walk out their faith and see that victory they were so excited about and Jesus was so excited about, they had to physically leave his presence. If this is Jesus, I can't go over there and talk to Mark without leaving this. I would have to literally walk away from his presence. But guess what? We never have to leave his presence, ever. That makes it even better to live now. When the disciples went out to do God's work, they went with each other under Jesus' authority, but they didn't have Jesus right there with them. When we go out and do God's work, we go with Jesus right there with us. And it's not like he's linking arms with us, which is how I like to think of it sometimes, but it's even more than that. His spirit dwells within us. And therefore, his authority 
is not delegated, only delegated to us. It's in us. We carry his spirit. We carry Jesus's authority. And that is mind-blowing if we could fully grab it and accept it. I actually don't think that the majority of God's church today reflect that statement yet. But I do believe, because of what I've been reading even today and last night, that this is actually the message God is talking to his church all over the world at the moment. This same message. He's saying, hey, guys, I'm in you. You have more authority than you realize. You have more power than you're walking in. And I want to show you more. There is more. Okay, And I think that many of us just haven't grasped the fact that we really are appointed and equipped already to be his hands and doing his works. Because that's why he called us to be his body here on earth. And we're going to do the same works, he said, and more than he did. And he raised the dead. So I'm not really sure where we go from there. (laughs) We don't need anything other than his spirit to equip us. And Jesus promised he does not hold his spirit back from anyone who asks. Listen, guys, his spirit is life. His spirit is refreshing water to your soul. His spirit is his DNA running through your system. His spirit is power. And if you are a follower of Jesus, his spirit is in you. However, if you've never given your life to Jesus, then you do not carry his spirit. And that, my friend, is the reason you struggle. I'm not saying we don't struggle. I already told you, life's hard. Get over it. Build a bridge, get over it. (laughs) Life is hard. We do all struggle. But when we don't have Jesus, we struggle with more worries, worldly worries and stress because we don't have the ability to work it through with his guidance. We don't have that bigger perspective that God brings. He has a wider viewpoint. He has the Jeremy Beremy of the vision of how it works, the timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. He knows way more than we know, but when we're not in a relationship with him, we don't have that. In, and that's why... Things feel so hard in life sometimes. And this is the bit that really struck me and came through the worship as well. You know, you have been lied to if you think that to place yourself in Jesus' hands will limit your choices or shrink your opportunities. Because in fact, the very opposite is true. Your world, if you place your life in Jesus' hand, your world will get bigger and open up before you as you realize that you were not designed to live a limited, tiny life. And that's why you feel so unsatisfied right now. There's a struggle within you, a desire for more and a limited thinking that you believe right now, you believe you are free without God. Giving your life to Jesus is not like, nobody's going to get this except for two people over here. Giving your life to Jesus is not like becoming the avatar of an Egyptian god. 
as that new strange program made by Marvel Studios called Moon Knight depicts. I'm really contemporary, by the way. I'm really there, but I will, I will warn you, it's the strangest program I've ever watched. <laughs> okay, but giving your life to Jesus is not like becoming the avatar of an Egyptian god. You don't become enslaved. You become properly free. He said it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Paul said it. Um, you become properly free for the first time ever. You don't even know what freedom is yet. Because it's not becoming a Christian that enchains you. We think we have to get enchained to all these rules and things that we must do or we must follow him. Or she just already said good works aren't enough. We should be doing God's works. Okay, that's not enslaving. It's free. What's great is your world is going to open up. Living without God is what chains you to the world and its way. Giving your life to Jesus is freeing. You don't become bound up. Instead, do you know what you do? You unlock all that potential he placed inside you that is bubbling around, confused as to its purpose right now. Every human, I believe, is like a tiny seed. I love how God has put in creation exactly what teaches us about us, okay? And if you take, you know, an acorn, everything is in that acorn to build the tree, the humongous tree, the tiny acorn. We are like that. A whole bunch of growth and fruit is deposited as potential in each of us. But, and this is why there's an unsatisfied, dissatisfied feeling in you when you don't know Christ. Because until you are planted in Christ, you don't even see it and can't attain the fullness of it without Him. The 70 followers of Jesus returned rejoicing because their faith and trust in God actually works. That's basically what they said. Oh, it works. It really works. They saw it work in reality in their daily life. And that's why Jesus rejoiced with them. Because the Christian life really works when we fully put our trust in God and not our own efforts. And for some of us, that is the challenge for today. We may have been walking with Jesus for years, but we need to go, hang on, I'm just going to reassess. I'm just going to put my trust a bit more firmly in Him and believe that what He says is true. But for some of us here, the challenge is this, <laughs> is to actually give your life and plant yourself right into Jesus today. I urge you to release the pent-up potential hidden in you today when you plant yourself in Christ because there's such a great release awaiting you. Trust Him with your life and in giving it away, you give Him your life. That's how we say it and I think it's a good terminology because you say, here's my life and that's when you get to live it to the full. Make no mistake, the source of your discomfort and stress in life is not Jesus it's the one Adam gave access and authority to ruin the world. It's the devil who wants to keep you away from Jesus. Jesus said this in John 10, 10, I'm nearly done. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You know, the only way to stop the thief from having access to you is to get yourself into Jesus and Jesus into you. You alone are no match for the devil who wants to rob you of everything you could have on earth. The first thing he does is steal your faith and trust. And then when you're nice and cynical, it's easy to keep you blinded from the truth. 
it's easy to keep you going down that path. And maybe then you lose your joy and lose more. And then you don't know what your identity is or what your purpose is. You know, you were created for more. And you know this deep down. So reach out for it. Today, I urge you to take up your true identity. Give your life to Jesus and he will give you life in all its fullness. So let's pray this prayer if you want to do that today. Pray it aloud with me and those who already know Jesus, feel free to confirm it again for yourselves as you pray aloud the words on the screen. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you died for me. I believe that you are risen from the dead and that you're coming back again for me. Today, I choose to follow you. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me and cleanse me. Set me free. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lead me in your better plans for me. I'm forgiven. I'm blessed. And I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart. Amen. If you prayed that prayer from your heart, even if you've said these words before, but if today your heart was involved, then that's it. It's that quick. You are a follower of Jesus and you have that power of the Holy Spirit charging through your veins. It's yours because you've already asked for it. We have more power. Listen up, all followers of Jesus. We have more power, and I believe this is what God is revealing to the church as a whole, not just Hope Church. I love the fact you pointed out that it, was it you or him? I can't remember now. Um, <laughs> that we're not here alone, you know. It's not just Hope Church, okay? That the whole church is getting this revelation time and time again. Every single thing that I read and heard this morning and last night confirmed it again and again. They were all directed at different sorts of people, okay? Different sermons, different things, different words. But this is it. We have more power and authority than we've been using because we live now in this point of his story of history. We live after Jesus won the victory over the devil at the cross. So let's believe it. Let's walk in it. Let's act on it. And in doing so, the best bit is you can be assured that you bring Jesus exceptional joy. And that, for me, is absolutely awesome. God bless you. Mark. Thank you. That's really good. So just before we round off, apart from the Bible... Right, because that's, like, that's like the standard Sunday school answer. Books that change your life, the Bible, right? Apart from the Bible, there are some books that we read that have such an impact on us, they change almost the whole trajectory of our lives. And for me, the first book that ever did that was that classic of Christian theology, a modern application of the Christian lifestyle. It was, of course, the great classic, The Sacred Diary of Adrian Plass. Anyone else with me? Did that affect you in the same way? Another book that maybe for even more people has given them a perspective that allows them to see in the pages of the book themselves and make sense of some of the madness of life. And the book was written by a chap called C.S. Lewis. And in fact, he wrote it and dedicated the book to his good friend J.R.R. Tolkien. 
And I wonder if Lewis, having read The Lord of the Rings and Tolkien's great imagined fantasy world, felt inspired to write something to help Tolkien make sense of the world that he was actually living in today. And the, and the book is called The Screwtape Letters. And it gives you, in this fictional account, an insight where if you don't find yourself at least once a chapter in this book, you're a different kind of person to the average bear, I tell you. It is, it is fun, it's challenging, it's insightful. And it's one of the many books available in the, uh, the Hope Church bookshop. You know, these books aren't there so that we can make an extra penny from you. The reason these books are there is because they introduce you to new ideas, new perspectives that help you take the Bible and apply it to your life here in the 21st century. So if you've never read the Screwtape Letters, I encourage you to do it. And if you're not a reader, then go and read, go and watch one of the many um, theatrical productions that comes on um, regularly. But it, it's a great book, suitable for children of all ages. The, uh, the Observer says it's excellent, hard-hitting, challenging, and provoking. The Guardian said it is sparkling yet truly relevant. In fact, a perfect joy that will bound to become a classic. Well, I don't know about that, but what I do know is that it's a book that helps you change the way you look at your bad days and your good days and suddenly realize oh, that's what the Bible meant. It's brilliant. So I commend it to you and all the other books you'll find on the Alpha Book table. So go and grab a coffee. Go and have a look at the books. Try not to spill the coffee on the books. If you do, you'll have to buy the book. Apart from that, God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you soon. Bye for now.